Welcome back to Balancing Chaos with Kelly and Gretchen. And today we have our first remote guest. So you're our first um, test guest coming in from a remote location, Megan. So so we've never so this is our, our first time doing this. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Um, my name is Megan Yaki. I'm actually Gretchen's cousin. Um, we're going to talk a little about a little bit about our nonprofit called Harper's Quest. And it was founded after my daughter was diagnosed with a rare um, genetic deletion. It didn't have a name at the time. It was called SOX5, but now it has a name. It's called Lamb Schaefer Syndrome. I'm also a nurse. I'm a nurse practitioner. And so that kind of helped us in our journey. But that's a little bit about who I am. Okay. Also, I think it, even though it's spelled differently, I almost find it a little interesting that it ended up being Lamb Schaefer Syndrome. I find it very interesting considering. And so it's like a different spelling. Right, exactly. But I was like, oh, wow, that's really, that's really close. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So do you want to, can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up figuring out that Harper had Lamb Schaefer syndrome? So she, everything was completely normal until about one and I'm a nurse. And so we're very in tune to what was going on. She rolled over at three months. She sat up at six months, crawled. um, And then we got to the pulling up and walking and we noticed, all right, something's not right here. She's not really pulling up and her feet are really turned in. And then at that time, you know, they kind of start talking, mom, dad, little utterances, and none of that was really happening. So we thought, all right, is this just her? Is it a second child? Like brother does everything for her or is there something bigger going on? So we started with, um, the foot doctor is something wrong with her feet. Her feet are flat and turned in. Is that why she's not walking? And they thought maybe, yeah, that, that could be why. And so we went to him for a while and started physical therapy. And then by like 19 months, she still wasn't walking. And we noticed her eyes were kind of doing some funny things. So we'd seen ophthalmology. And so after we had seen all these doctors, so she really wasn't talking as much. And, you know, some kids are just delayed. Again, second child. So everyone kept saying, well, I think it's just a second child. I think it's just a second child. And then she has these other little features, but nothing glaring. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, there's totally something wrong. So um, finally we kept going on and she really wasn't walking. She walked on her second birthday. Um, And then, sorry, the phone's ringing in the background. Um, (laughs) So then after we kept going and she was only getting a few words and we weren't seeing a lot of progression. We finally decided, um, her eye doctor actually said, you know, let's just go to genetics and see if there's anything else. She doesn't have anything glaring. Um, but let's just do a chromosomal micro micro array, um, and see if we can find anything. So that's what we did. And we ended up at genetics, um, for Harper. We just did, it's called a CMA, a chromosomal micro array. And it looks at small pieces of all 23 chromosomes. And that's how they found hers. Not all kids are found that way. Um, Some of the kids are having to have whole exome sequencing to find their deletions. It seems deletions are found most with the chromosomal microarray, but the kiddos that have mutations, they aren't just straightforward deletions. They aren't finding them without using the whole exome sequencing, which is actually a lot more expensive um, and hard to get covered by insurance than the microarray. Did your insurance cover all of this testing? For us, it did, but there's a lot of kiddos in our group that have had difficulty with that, mm-hmm. getting the insurance it's, to agree to cover it, particularly the whole exome sequencing when they've done the microarray and found nothing. So was all this testing, Did was it painful for Harper or was it like as simple as a blood it's draw? It's just a blood draw. So it was 
pretty easy. She's been stuck so many times that um, she just kind of sits there and takes it like a boss. But um, it's just a simple little blood draw. And then it came back for us. I think it came back like four weeks later. And then we got a phone call. I was actually standing in the middle of Hobby Lobby, which is like a craft store <laughs> down here. She was actually at speech therapy when they called with their results. Um, and so I stepped outside and she told me. And then, of course, I cried. But um, they gave they gave you the results over the phone. Yes. And they acted like it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Little. So, how, so that couldn't have felt well. Yeah. well <laughs> we fired have felt our good. first geneticist. So. Okay. And then, so then where did you go from there? So now you knew what was going on. So now we knew what it was. And then we met the next day with the actual geneticist and she told us, you know, this is what it is. We don't know much about it. There's only been, you know, 14 to 15 kids diagnosed in the literature. This is what it says about it up till I think the earliest article written about it. And it didn't have a name at this time. It was still just Sox five. Um, was in 2012 and there was 12 or 14 kids in that sample. Um, so then it, you know, it went through and it said, this kid's deletion is this size and these are the features and this kid's deletion is this size and these are the features, but there was no correlation between genotype and phenotype. So there was no correlation between what the genetic makeup was and the size of the deletion and the symptoms they expressed. There were some kids that had smaller deletions that had really severe effects. And there were some kids with bigger deletions that, you know, the research article was showing that they didn't have a severe effect. So that was kind of perplexing. But at that meeting, she went on and on about how Harper will never be normal and she'll live with you forever. She'll maybe be able to pick up trash on the side of the road, things like that. Of course, I'm crying. Was that the first geneticist? The first geneticist. Okay. (laughs) Yep. And so... We finished that appointment. I went home and then I cried on the couch for four days, not knowing what to do because you think, oh, she'll just grow out of it. We'll go to therapy. And then all of a sudden your life changes by a phone call. So then you have to figure out what to do about it. So my best friend and her husband um, are really good friends with um, one of the leading research geneticists in the country. He is actually moving back to Germany. He's currently at Texas Children's in Houston. And so they connected us with him. He called me personally and he got us in two weeks later. He has a six month wait. So we went down to Houston, met with him. He said, you know, the same thing. We don't know much about it. um, But this is what we're going to do. We're going to find someone who wants to research this. We're going to use social media and we're, we're going to find answers. So it was a completely different meeting. It was very encouraging. Um, He's very helpful. He's actually has a couple of things named after him. He's very into, researching and finding things. He couldn't take the case, but by the time we got back to Austin, he had three people that he had found through his database research that were kind of working in that area of um, chromosome 12, like SOX 5 to SOX 9. So he sent me three emails. He said, hey, email these people and see what you get. And I did. And about a month and a half later, um, we got an email back from our now researcher. Her name is Veronique, and she is currently at Cleveland Clinic. Um, the research is actually moving to CHOP, Children's Hospital of Philly, um, this summer. She accepted a new position there, and they have a huge um, autism clinic there, so it's really awesome. But So she uh, emailed us back and said, I'd really like to take your research. And that's kind of where Harper's Quest was born, because we needed to fund the research and just make people aware of, at that time, it was just called a SOX5 deletion. Now it has a name, Lamb Schaefer Syndrome. So that is where Harper's Quest was formed out of a need to fund research. And, you know, it's very expensive to fund research. You have to raise money and 
you know, <laughs> find results, get results together, and then try to get grants from your results and so on and so forth. So that's where Harper's Quest came from. Kelly's nodding because she's mm-hmm. a she's a PhD researcher, mm-hmm. so she she knows that very well. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's not cheap. It's not cheap, so and it's not how free. Old and no one's gonna take your case if you don't um, pay them. Essentially, right? <laughs> yeah, some people do free research, but if you want it to be really high quality, it comes at a price. Now, how old is she now? She is five. She'll be six in September. So she was diagnosed um, right before her third birthday. And does she go to school? She, um, in Texas, I don't know how it is in other states, but in Texas, if they are diagnosed with special needs, they start school when they're three and they go for four hours a day. Um, it's like an early learning environment, PPCD. And so she started, she started at the elementary school when she was three. So she would go from um, 7.45 to 11.45. And then we have her in a private preschool for the second half of the day. And the school district takes her on the bus to the, so she's with, special needs kids in the morning and a couple of teachers kids. And then she's with a general population, typical kids in the afternoon and they kind of push her. Um, and it's been really great. She's still doing that. She'll start kinder in the fall. And the school that she's at is the same one that your son goes to, right? Yep. So it's just, but it's just like an early, like an early childhood. Yeah. It's called early learning environment. Wow. And it's free. Yeah. Well, yes, your taxes pay for it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it's publicly funded. It's well, because that's Texas, amazing. Texas doesn't have income tax, right? Um, no, we have income tax. We don't have state income tax. Don't have state income tax. So they have a weird tax. That's yeah, why so we like, don't have, no, we have really companies. high property taxes. Huh. Right. So, so you got the diagnosis, you found a researcher, and then you decided to start this foundation. What was the process of starting the foundation? Um, so you kind of get everybody together and say, Hey, we're going to do this, come up with a name. And then you have to find someone to do all the legal stuff with the IRS. So we found, um, Michael's mom, um, is actually, um, the director. And so her friend, um, is well-versed in starting nonprofits. It's kind of like what he does on the side. And so he did everything for us and we did, um, to get approval with the 501c3 status with the IRS. So that is a lengthy process. Um, we did a, a rapid one. If your budget is under $50,000 the first two or three years, I hope I'm not misquoting that, um, they'll uh, approve you a lot faster. It's not as lengthy of a process. So yeah, we just applied for everything, got our 501c3 and off we went. So they, they did this one fundraiser that still cracks me up, the golf ball drop. Which that was our biggest ever- fundraising effort to date. Um, we raised around thirty thousand dollars with that. So we sold golf balls that we numbered. We hand numbered them in the living room, and we hired someone. Um, there's a Concordia University teamed up with this on teamed up with us for this event. They're probably ten miles down the road. Um, so they're base- They let us use their baseball field. So at the end of the game, we hired a chopper, and they we filled it up with golf balls and someone would drop them out onto the field and we had targets set out on the field. And so whoever there was prizes, grand prize was a custom golf cart. And so um, there was that and then some gift cards and some Kendra Scott and some other things. And so whoever's ball got closer to target one, two and three would win these prizes. And uh, yeah, we raised 30 close to $30,000 with that event. And there's videos on the Harper's quest page of the chopper, 
you know, circling down and hovering and dropping the balls. It was really awesome. Like, and, and it cracked me up because I've never seen a fundraiser like that. So in Maine, the I think a more common one is the one with the cow, <laughs> the cows. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No. Do they do those in Texas? No. So have you ever seen the cow things or the goat things? So this, so this, here's the main version of that. So this is very, so that I thought that the, you know, helicopters are generally not involved in fundraising efforts in Maine, but the one in like the ones that I've seen around here where they like take the like the um, soccer field and they mark off a grid and they let a cow wander around and you buy a spot on the grid and wherever the cow poops, you win. <laughs> Gross that prize. I have never seen You've this. never seen never. it? They did it back home a couple of times. And well, so you have special It's like, like back called home. like cow patty bingo or something like that. So so that's why it cracked me up because it's like, yeah, of course in Maine we just put a cow on a field, but in Texas we have a helicopter hovering over a huge baseball game. And then the weather kind of screwed it up, didn't it? And- yeah, the initial oh. um we had to postpone it two weeks. So the initial um I think it was supposed to be March fourth or something like that. I don't even actually remember, but yeah, we had to postpone it by two weeks because it was raining and so the helicopter can't fly. So we postponed it. So that was kind of there wasn't as many people at the game because I think it fell during spring break or something when we initially like had to redo it. But, um, we still, we raised $30,000. We funded research. We had got a small grant from the learner research Institute, which is where the research is currently. So between those two things, that event in the small, the in-house grant that we got, we were able to start research. So we've actually come really far. They've actually taken the gene out of the mice And it's funny because the mice that have the gene missing are exhibiting some of the traits that our children are. We just had a research update. So like anxiety and balance issues and things like that, not um, trouble eating solid food. Harper didn't have the food issue, but a lot of the kiddos have like muscle tone, not being able to eat solid food until much later. And the the mice with this deletion or mutation are exhibiting the same features. It's really amazing, actually. One of the things that I think has been really interesting to watch, too, and of course, I'm watching this from 2000 miles away, is the way you have found other families with this deletion. Like, and it seems like it's a lot of it happens through social media. Pretty much all of it has happened through social media. And that, it's funny because that is what our, the, the second geneticist, the one who is our geneticist now. I mean, that's what he said to us. Use social media. That's how you're going to find people. And so when we started, um, we started the Sox 5 Lamb Schaefer support group page. And then, um, we found some other families and then her mom, her name is also Megan. She is a guiding force in this as well. She started the lambshafer.org page and manages that. I help her with it, but she's the brainchild of that. And so we've met a lot of people across this country that have become really good, close friends. And we're all fighting for the same thing that otherwise we never would have met. So it is all through social media. Didn't you find that there were people even locally? Yes. Um, actually, the first geneticist who we fired diagnosed another family a month after us and never even told them that we existed, that she'd ever seen it before. Like a physician should say, Hey, I have another patient with this. Let me see if, you know, HIPAA and everything. Let me see if, let me contact them and see if they're willing to talk to you and kind of say, no, nothing. We met them through social media a couple of months after. So um, yeah, we met all the awesome people through social media actually. Gretchen said that you are a Christian and how has your faith played in to the diagnosis and your quest to you know, learn more about the disease? 
I think it helps keep you from digging yourself into a big hole of my life is never going to be normal. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me. And it pulls you back to a um, position for us. You know, we always say God gave her to us for a reason because there was a purpose and I cannot believe like I'll be like driving and I'm like, I really can't believe that God gave me this task to leave this mission to do all this. This is really overwhelming. Like I'm not qualified for this seriously. Um, so I think that, I mean, that's the big thing. I feel like our faith has kept us grounded and able to look forward that it's not going to be the end of the world. Is it challenging? Yes. Is it what you picture when you, you know, are pregnant and thinking about, Oh, my little girl, when she gets married or has kids and you know, those things might not happen and it's hard. It's still hard on a daily basis, but if we didn't have God, I don't think we would have gotten through it and our marriage probably would have already (laughs) dissolved, honestly. So Michael, my husband was the, they called me first. I called Michael second and said, they found something. This is what it is. And I think even before I called my mom, I called our um, small group pastor at church and said, can you please come to our house? Like we're not going to make it. And so, yeah, it's played a big role. I know another mother who has a, um, I can't remember what her son has, but it's another rare genetic disorder. And she has this awesome poem and I wish I would have thought to get it from her. But I'll find it. it, Find it, and we'll put it in the show. Oh, it's so amazing, and it kind of talks about what you're saying about you have this vision, you know, when you're having the baby shower and you have the baby, and you know, we all have these preconceived notions about what life is going to be like at each stage with our children, and then when you get the diagnosis um, that you're not expecting, that all changes. But it's such a beautiful poem, and um, also she has a she's really strong, uh, really strong faith, and she always talks about how that's really kept her through because it's so overwhelming. Yep. I mean, there's days where you just want to cry, but you just have to keep going. And, you know, it could be so much worse. It could be so much worse. Um, But yeah. Now for the, for the research, are they just right now looking at the symptoms that the mice are exhibiting based on various levels of mutation? Are they starting to look at environmental interventions and does that mitigate symptoms or? So right now they're just taking the, um, delete like taking that part out in the mice and see seeing if they're exhibiting the same symptoms as our kiddos so they know that they have them where they want them to be and then they're going to try um doing different things to them to see if it enhances um the symptoms i mean not enhances sorry that's not the best way to to see if it overcomes the symptoms that's probably the best way to explain it so if we do x y and z will that make the part of the gene that is still present work more efficiently to overcome what's not there. Did that make sense? Yeah, because I just wonder when you, when they, you know, that since you said that they do know that um, the amount of gene, just mutations on the gene or the percentage of the gene missing doesn't correlate with the symptoms. Yeah, there's really no, like as we find more kids, we're able to, the researcher is able to, you know, she has, you know, worksheet of, each kid and where their deletion is and then we're starting to compile symptoms but from what is already published in literature there's just no rhyme or reason it there's and you know it's you know how much therapy are the kids getting and they're 
situation at home or Harper also actually has celiac disease, which we found last August. We're having difficulty potty training her. And as soon as we took the gluten out of her diet, which she actually has celiac. So it made a huge difference as far as like speech. We were sitting with her GI doctor a month after diagnosis. And I'm like, I know you're going to think I'm crazy because the whole world with the whole, the gluten and everything now, and people deciding (laughs) they can't eat gluten Mm -hmm. said she actually has celiac. So I'm going to tell you this. I said, we took the gluten out because she has celiac and her words increased exponentially and her able, she was able to like talk in sentences and just, she just changed for the better. Mm. Oh, I, I am so obsessed with this concept of food and how it affects every health condition. I mean, we do not take it as seriously as we should. I mean, and I know everyone's on the gluten hype, but it could be dairy. It could be it could be tomatoes. I mean, it, it could be anything that affects yep. that's having a negative effect on all sorts of symptoms that you'd never think. And we don't we do not take it as seriously enough in our healthcare system. Yeah. No, I agree with you. So the gluten for her really, really helped. Will it help everyone? I don't know. But for her, it 100 percent did. Once her gut started working right. How uh, you have an older son, how is it having a special needs kid with an older sibling who is typical? Um, I feel bad. We I think we feel bad for him sometimes that he has to, um, you know, she has so many appointments and doctor's visits and therapy that he has to deal with it. But he, it's actually taught him a lot of really amazing things. Last year in second grade, he was asked to like be an ambassador to the special needs kids at at his at their elementary school and so he would go in with like the older kids and like once a week and work with them and do projects with them so he's had a firsthand look into being more compassionate towards people who may not be quote unquote normal I mean who's normal right but he's definitely had a firsthand look at that and you know he's very protective of her and so it's, I mean, it's a good learning experience for her, but we also make sure that we do something special for him. At least once a year, we take him on a little trip. That's just him. He's a baseball player and really into baseball. So last year we took him to Boston, just his, my husband and him and I for three nights. So we try to do that once a year. We're going to go to Chicago this year um, just to give him some one-on-one time and make him feel special and not like he's, you know, secondhand citizen because Harper needs so much attention. Do you have, does your husband stay home? Uh, Does he stay at home with the kids or do you both work full time? Um, We both work full time, but I work at night. And so it works out. He owns his own business. So he works from home. So he's here, but um, he doesn't quote unquote stay home. I actually am starting to cut down my hours to be homework because she's starting kindergarten. So she's going to need more help. But um, yeah, I take, I work at night. So I'm here a lot more than it's a blessing that I can work at night. Mm-hmm. She loves her night schedule. She, she tried to explain it to me one time, and I was, mm-hmm. I was lost. <laughs> <laughs> Can she get some of the therapies at school? Yes. So at school, she gets speech PT and OT, and then we do um, speech privately. And we used to do PT privately, but we quit doing regular standard physical therapy, where it was just like a one-on-one with a therapist, and we with the approval of her physical medicine doctor um, put her in a, she's dance on Wednesdays and gymnastics on Saturdays. And it has helped leaps and bounds with her physical 
mobility and coordination and especially just being with her other peers. So she's able to like be in a group setting. So it helps with like listening and following directions and being with other kids. And it's not just a woman, one thing. So yeah, she gets lots of therapy. That's great. So what kind of, what sort of deficits does she have right now? Her biggest is speech delay. I would say, um, she's talking in full sentences, but she's definitely delayed for her age. Um, she has some coordination issues and, I mean, it's hard to test cognitive ability in a five-year-old, so it's kind of hard to say. She did count to 30 at dinner last night, so it's hard to say. <laughs> that's that's great. Huh. Well, it's, it's she was so fortunate to be born to a family like yours. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, and that's the thing is that it's, you know, you have in your family, Megan, so you have two very educated parents yeah. who have who have very educated friends who have those connections Mm -hmm. and it's so it like that's that's amazing for you guys and it almost makes you wonder where these children are who don't have those connections i Um, agree completely i know you know so how how lucky are you to have people that you can call and be like you know that and that and and not by any not because you stockpile these people but i think that the friend you're talking about is the one from childhood right yep yeah. So it's just like because you were friends with her when you were five years old and because she married somebody who knew somebody, <laughs> you have these connections. It's pretty amazing. Well, being a Christian, I think when you look back on it, God, God sets that all up. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> and you look back yes. and you're like, oh, I get it now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she didn't and she kind of didn't get married till later right, right? Mm-hmm. so so maybe so has she reconciled that <laughs> is she like oh this is why i didn't get married till later this i was waiting for this guy who was going to be the person that unlocked i'm sure the she has she's a this. christian as well <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so when you say you're funding the research do they basically apply for a grant from you and you write them a check or do you just send them the money how does that work um so we got the um the research team got the in-house grant from the learner the learn research i can't talk the cleveland clinic is the learner institute of research and so they got an in-house grant for fifty thousand, and then we just supplemented supplemented the difference to um, be able to hire a research assistant and get stuff going and so it'll probably come out in the next three to four weeks we're working on a paper to be published with the current research and where they're at. And then they're going to use that to try to get some bigger research to fund some bigger grants, sorry, to fund um, further research, you know, more money, more progress. So is this the only thing that your researcher focuses on or is this part of other projects that she's working on? I think she works on a couple of other things at the same time, but all generally in the same region. But there is one research assistant that works solely on SOX 5. Wow. That's pretty amazing. That's so, so interesting. And that research That's assistant it. is going to be moving with her to chop along with all the mice. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if the mice came from here. Because you know that yeah. like do you are you familiar with Jackson Lab? No. So this is the it's the world's leading mice mouse breeder for medical research. Oh, and it's I'll have to ask her. Mm-hmm. So where did our mice come so, from? Yeah, so and and they they like genetically engineer all these mice for different things for research, and it's world renowned. It's in Bar Harbor. Mm-hmm. Oh. There's a lot of people that actually live in Bangor that they they like they have a shuttle bus that drives people to the lab because Bar Harbor is so expensive to live oh, in. Right. So they have like a commuter bus 
that leaves from our neighborhood, actually, and drives to Bar Harbor every day to Jackson Lab. So so maybe some of your mice have a little bit of main flavor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have them. to ask her. That's great. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't even know where yeah. you buy research mice, but there you go. Not at Petco. No. Nope. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so tell us about your fundraising effort. So the next thing we're doing, there's a, a local, she's actually nationwide now, but she started in Austin, Texas. Her name is Kendra Scott. She's really awesome. She's a big philanthropist. I've actually met her in person a few times. She, um, We partnered with her right when we started Harper's Quest and did um, a fundraising event with her, and she gives back 20% of all proceeds from the event. And so they actually approached us the beginning of March um, to see if we'd like to partner with them again. And I thought they just wanted us to do, you know, one little event in the store. They do, it's called Kendra Gives Back. And they do that periodically throughout the month with different organizations. So Harper and I went down after speech one day and met with them and they gave us a booklet of stuff and they asked us to host the big summer launch party. So this is the launch party for her new line that's coming out. Um, and it's going to be April 18th is when it is released. And so we are hosting Harper's Quest and Kendra Scott together are hosting the big summer launch party. So all the new stuff that she's designed for the summer will be released that day. Um, so it's going to be a big party. There's going to be food and drinks. And so people that aren't um, in town in Austin, it's going to be at the flagship store in Lamar, but people that really like Kendra Scott or really want to donate, um, you can call in. Let me give you the number. So it's going to be from five to eight. So you can call in during that central time, five to eight central time. So if you call in during that time to place an order, it'll be shipped for free to your home. Um, I, they have told me that if you call in during the day outside of those hours, if it's more convenient and just let them know, Hey, this is, I want my purchase to go towards Harper's quest. They'll accommodate that. But the actual hours of the party are from five to eight. And so the number to reach the Austin store that we're going to be at is 512-879-3422. And then if you want to check out the stuff, they'll post all the new jewelry, um, that's going to be released that day on the website. You can't order from the website because they can't track it. But you, so you have to call in, but you can shop online and call in to order at kendrascott.com. And the, the last time they did this was, I think it was two years ago? Mm-hmm. Yep. It was right I, because we I, getting fundraising rolling for Harper's Quest. And so I have a pair of earrings that I got from there that I love. Mm-hmm. And they actually, they shipped them to my sister's house and my sister got some too. And so we, they had them shipped to, we had them shipped to Colorado. So we wore our earrings all week, our Harper earrings, mm-hmm. which is what I refer to them as. So I have to go look through the catalog again and see what I can order this time. They have all tons of new stuff. And then I, I've seen the new stuff. Um, the picture that's on our Facebook page, the earrings that the model is wearing, those are some of the new stuff. It's going to be very colorful stuff. The new stuff, they're still going to have their classic stuff. They have lots of really basic stuff all the way to like statement pieces. Um, but I really like her stuff. And like I said, she's a, she her, herself is a very big philanthropist. She gives, philanthropist. She gives back a lot to our community and all over the country. Awesome. And we will put all this information on mm-hmm. our Facebook page and, <clears throat> and I'll even, I'll put it up there on the day of too to poke people to remind them of that and put it on our show notes as well. So what would be, what would be one thing that you would want people to know about having a special needs child? That it's not the end of the world and your child will teach you more than you ever thought possible. 
and you'll look back. I mean, I just look at Harper on a daily basis and she makes me laugh. She is hilarious. And I don't, I mean, it's hard. Yes, but I, I wouldn't change her for the world. It makes you a better person. It makes you a better person. What? So, so my Harper story and, and uh, I'm going to, if you want me to cut this out afterwards, just tell me, Megan. Oh. <laughs> but when we went and for October, we went um, two years ago, we went, I took the girls down and we stayed at Megan's house to visit my grandmother and which was going to be the last time, which we kind of knew. But all the kids were basically, um, they were playing, I think it was like your doorstop or something. And it made a fart noise. And she kept doing it to make the <laughs> fart noise. And then she'd laugh. And I was like, this is like the most neurotypical thing a kid yeah. can do is make a fart joke. Yes. And she kept doing it. And it was it cracked me up because she wasn't very verbal at that time. But she still knew how to make a room laugh by making a fart oh, joke. Yes. So, <laughs> Megan, if you want me to remove that, I can remove that. No, but you totally that's... don't have to. And now she can say the word farted. So when she does, she goes, I farted. And she laughs. <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway, I, like I remember just being like, oh, yeah, this, you know, she knows exactly how to work a room here. This is great. Oh, yes, she so, does. So to piggyback off that question, what would you what advice would you give to parents who don't have special needs children about how they should teach their children to interact with with special needs children? Just teach your kids that not everyone is cookie cutter and everybody's different and just be compassionate towards others and help others. And just because you see a kid that looks different, um, be kind, always be kind. We were, um, at Disney, uh, at Christmas time this year, actually it was new year's and Braden, my son, we were in the animal kingdom in like the dino land. And he was playing these like carnival games and won all these stuffed animals and, he wanted to give them away to other kids. He didn't want to bring them all back. And so he went and found kids to give them to. And he actually found a special needs kiddo that was in a wheelchair and he gave him the um, stuffed animals. So it's definitely taught him to be more compassionate towards others. So just compassion. Mm -hmm. Great. All right. So we always end our podcast with a favorite thing. So do you have your favorite thing, Megan, that you'd like to share with us? My favorite thing. This is going to be really sad, but wine, red wine. <laughs> Do you have a favorite wine? Like, are we going red, white, oh, rosé? Red, Where are we talking cab, here? all the way. In fact, my wine shipment from our <laughs> trip came this week, and Michael said, oh, it's like Christmas for Megan. <laughs> Do you have a favorite wine to recommend? Oh, I don't, there's so many good ones. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if you had any, like, Texas winery that you wanted to pitch. Oh. I don't, there's a lot of good wineries here. I don't know. I hate, I can't pick just one. Um, <laughs> if I have to pick just one that's local, I'd say Becker. But the place that I get the wine from that we – this teeny tiny little mom-and-pop winery that I get the shipment from, it's in um, Paso Robles, and it's called Autry Cellars, and it's amazing. All right. Awesome. What about you, Kelly? So – my one of my favorite podcasts is how I built this mm-hmm. and they actually did an episode on Kendra Scott really and yes and how she started so I recommend I love that podcast it's really inspiring too because it it's talks about people's challenges through starting a business and it's real it's incredibly motivating but anyhow they did one all they did a whole one on Kendra Scott and she was featured so I recommend um everyone listen to that too cool 
Yeah. So mine's going to be a a little bit more broad. So I'm just going to recommend the library because this week we've had a lot of library stuff with my kids and Ingrid found a new author that she really liked and the local library didn't have all the books, but interlibrary loan, you can mm-hmm. just do interlibrary loan and they bring you books from wherever. So I'm just going to do a little pitch for the library. The other thing too, that it kind of ties back. If you are somebody who's looking for this research, a lot of times your local library will have access to these databases mm-hmm. that Kelly and I have access to them because we work in academia. But if you're not in academia, you like you'll go to read an article and it will pop up and say, oh, you need to pay a thousand dollars a day to access <laughs> this information. A lot of times local libraries will have access to those and the, your research librarian can be your best friend. And if you and if, or if you know me and you're looking, you find a citation, and you're wondering if you can get the article. I can always look and see if I can print out a copy for you, too. But mm-hmm. that's one. Of the that's things, a really good tip. You know, I hadn't even thought of that because I have access, you know, through my job, too. I can look up and find like. Right. I actually was that's one, one of those privileges found I was doing some searches looking for something and I'm the one that found that um, they actually named our disorder and I sent the article to our researcher and she's like how did you find this before me (laughs) yeah when you have an inquisitive mind (laughs) when you have an inquisitive mind and all of that the library is a really good place to um to track down information and, and even information that sometimes seems out of reach to the to the general person that they can help you get that information yeah for sure and they can pull re- some of the articles if they don't have them. When they go to pull them from another library, they can have them within an hour. Oh, yeah. It it's used crazy. to be a week wait or something like that. I've never waited that long. And there's long. so much research out there mm-hmm. that is, that's out there that is beyond, the, beyond a Google search. Mm-hmm. And so we all know this as, as being people who have looked in the journals, but there's so much out there beyond. You're probably not going to find Lamb Schaefer syndrome in a Time Magazine article. You're going to find it in, you know, New England Journal of Medicine or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us today because we really appreciate coming on our first remote guest. And I'll put all the information about the fundraiser and um, and all the links and stuff you mentioned about the Lamb Schaefer syndrome and Harper's Quest, of course. I'll add that information to our show notes. And and I hope to meet you when you come to Maine next time. Yes, when you come to Maine next time, you have to meet Kelly because because I was literally (laughs) like thinking it through. And I can't even believe I forgot about the dog. Yeah, because I was like, oh, right. They even have the same kind of dog. Like (laughs) They should just hang out. I love my golden doodle so much. Ours has lots she of energy. She is pretty adorable. Skills. She's a little over one. Uh, whoa, they're about the same age. Lottie's not quite one, but she's full of it. Yeah, she has a she has energy, but she does say sit when she, I go over there. She does. Yeah. Ours but is a mini. Is yours smart. a mini? No, no, she's a standard. I guess I don't know. I, I didn't know they were different. Full grown now. I she's twenty five pounds. Okay, yeah, I think Lottie's probably fifty pounds. She's big. She's really a big dog. Tall legs. She can jump over the sofa. It's crazy. <laughs> well, she looks like she's bigger than she is. She only weighs twenty five pounds, but her legs. She's like all legs. It's crazy. Yeah, my one of my good friends lives in Maryland. Actually, I thought she was in Texas. She was in Texas before because her husband's in the military, so she travels around a lot. But anyhow, she said her neighbor has a mini. Uh, golden doodle and she wanted to get a mini one one of my friends on facebook has a teddy bear which is like fits in your hand it's crazy i've actually have seen those ones yeah Yeah. those are tiny i don't have any i have no golden doodles at all but actually after hanging out with kelly's like all right if i were to get any dog this would probably be like the best one to get it's pretty cool it's awesome i mean they don't smell and they don't they don't they don't shed they're actually if you had time to really train them they'd be incredibly smart because she's so smart 
Yeah. I mean, considering we don't train her at all and she's <laughs> she's relatively well behaved. Yes. So. She is. <laughs> all right. Well, awesome, Megan. Thank you for taking time. And if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, then you can go ahead and tell two friends, like us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, leave us a review, all of that stuff. And we will be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.